Hello, and welcome to Turning a Million Eyes to Save Lives, a podcast co-production of Innocence at Risk and Chicago's Studio C. Innocence at Risk is a 501c3 nonprofit founded to fight child exploitation and human trafficking. Our mission is to educate citizens about the grave issue of global and local human trafficking. We are dedicated to protecting children from all forms of abuse and work to end child exploitation and child trafficking everywhere. Innocence at Risk conducts educational outreach programs through churches, clubs, organizations, schools, and embassies, and now this podcast. I'm Andy Miles, and I host this monthly series, which seeks to educate and motivate listeners through a series of conversations with flight attendants and passengers, transportation officials, government office holders, and anti-trafficking activists who are making a difference and helping to save the lives of women and children. We'll also hear the real-life stories of survivors of human trafficking, and using the DHS Blue Campaign Training will help everyday citizens be able to identify red flag situations and how to report them. On this second episode, I talked to Innocence at Risk founder and director Deborah Sigmund and Nancy Rivard, president of Airline Ambassadors International, or AAI. Nancy founded AAI in 1996 to provide for orphans and vulnerable children while working as a flight attendant for American Airlines. It's the only relief and development organization representing the airline industry. Airline Ambassadors International has hand-delivered over $60 million of aid to children in 62 countries in orphanages, clinics, and remote communities, impacting over 500,000 children. In 2009, Deborah Sigmund gave a presentation on human trafficking and Innocence at Risk's flight attendant initiative at an airline ambassador's meeting in Miami. Deborah asked Nancy and her team to join the flight attendant initiative, to which they agreed. Together, airline ambassadors and Innocence at Risk have trained thousands of flight attendants to identify and report suspected incidents of human trafficking. We'll hear about those trainings and much more in our conversation, which was recorded over Zoom on the last day of 2021. First, though, I want to take this opportunity to mention that January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month. While human trafficking is a crime that takes place in our communities year-round, January is a dedicated time to raise awareness of and take steps to combat this heinous crime. That's because more than 20 years ago, the Trafficking Victims Protection Act of 2000 enshrined the United States' commitment to combating human trafficking domestically and internationally. In 2010, by presidential proclamation, President Obama declared January National Slavery and Human Trafficking Prevention Month, and every year since, each president has followed the tradition. President Joe Biden has proclaimed January 2022 as National Human Trafficking Prevention Month, reaffirming, in the words of the State Department, his administration's commitment to protect and empower survivors of all forms of human trafficking, to prosecute traffickers, and to bring an end to human trafficking in the United States and around the world. National Human Trafficking Awareness Day is also recognized each year on January 11th. In recognition of this important day, and throughout the month of January, the Department of Homeland Security's Blue Campaign 
hosts several special events and educational activities. Blue Campaign's largest initiative is Wear Blue Day on January 11th. To raise awareness of human trafficking, they invite the public to take photos of themselves, friends, family, and colleagues wearing blue clothing and share them on social media. Anyone can participate. All you need is a blue piece of clothing. Remember to share on social media with hashtag WearBlueDay. Don't forget to follow at DHS Blue Campaign on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for updates and other ways to bring awareness to human trafficking during January and throughout the year. Now my conversation with Deborah Sigmund and Nancy Rivard. Uh, to begin, Deborah, could you provide the backstory for today's conversation? Well, from my last podcast, I spoke about starting the Innocence at Risk Flight Attendant Initiative with Sandra Ferrini and how that spread. Flight attendants were training each other. It was actually brilliant. We were so excited. And then that was in 2008, initially. 2009, I took the initiative to Homeland Security. I actually let them know when we were at a meeting that I was working with flight attendants and they were ecstatic because this was a big breakthrough according to them. And it was a breakthrough. And working with Homeland Security became effortless for the flight attendants. Not initially, but eventually when everything worked out. Uh, we were using this brochure uh, initially to, to Innocence at Risk was training flight attendants and it was spreading around. So I was very happy to have the backup with Homeland Security. And after working with them for several months, they started with our help and the help of Polaris also, Blue Lightning, which was established in 2009. So we did that. And knowing the success of the flight attendant initiative, I wanted to expand it. And then I heard about Nancy Rivard, who ran Airline Ambassadors. So I arranged to uh, meet with Nancy. I think we spoke on the phone initially, and then I flew to Miami to give a presentation to one of her board meetings. At that time, Nancy said, I said, explain what we were doing educating the flight attendants. They were continuing to report situations and we were saving lives. And I said, we would love for you to join us in this effort since you're already flying around the world and doing your marvelous work. And Nancy said, yes, we'd be happy to. And she said, by the way, we have a mission coming up in October and you should come with us. And we're going to see a variety of schools and orphanages in the Dominican Republic, in two or three areas. And I said, I hesitated because it was a big reunion weekend for me in North Carolina at my high school, but I realized it was the right thing to do. And I am so glad I went because for three days, Nancy and the airline ambassador's crew was made up of CEOs and uh, administrators, doctors, and was 20 members of the working community and CEOs. And Nancy was the only flight attendant. 
but it was great. Uh, it was a great group and everyone was very responsive when they got the brochure and had to hear about it, the training for three days, morning, noon, and night, but it paid off. Fortunately, we saw the orphanages and we were all torn and realized these children must need be protected. We had three flights returning back to the Dominican, from the Dominican Republic back to the United States. One left a day early and Patty Lapique was on that flight. The last thing I said to her when she was leaving was, Patty, keep your eyes open. They take children from here back to the United States. And I said, keep your brochure with you. Keep it with you in your purse or in your bag. She said, absolutely, I will. Later that afternoon, after we came back from seeing another orphanage, we had phone calls from Patty. And she said, you were right. You were absolutely right. I saved a life. And this was a, a Delta flight. This was early on in our flight attendant initiative. So all flight attendants hadn't received training. Of course, at that time, it was just word of mouth, flight attendants training each other. But fortunately, Patty Lapique said, I am a member of Airline Ambassadors. I've got three days of training from Innocence at Risk. And I need you to report it. If you don't report it, I'm reporting you. Fortunately, the flight attendant did. And as it turned out, when the flight landed in Atlanta, they separated the little girl from the man. And flight attendant came back to Patty and said, I am so glad you were on this flight because you were right. This girl was being trafficked. And Patty was obviously ecstatic. And I um, mean, to know that you've saved a life means so much. And working with flight attendants, we've experienced lots of that, but we wanna do more. And that's why Innocence at Risk wanted to continue to work with airline ambassadors. We've done a lot together. Actually, the next flight, the next day, returning to go home, the flight Nancy and I were on was perfect. I mean, there, there were no signs of any trafficking, but the flight leaving from Santa Domingo into New York, there were probably, what, six board members from airline ambassadors on the plane and spotted two children a 12-year-old girl, approximately, and a six-year-old little boy. Both these children, there were seven red flags immediately. Fortunately, when they did not know if their flight, uh, the JetBlue flight attendant was responding, they called me, got through, and I was able to contact ICE with a cell phone. And I was so grateful that Lydia St. John picked up the phone. I said, I know it's Sunday, but they're trained airline ambassadors members on a plane coming back from Santa Domingo into New York. And they've had three days of training. They know that these children have been trafficked. Please, please meet the plane, have the plane met. She said, I'm on it. And she was. 
when that plane was met, it was actually going on to Boston for some of the passengers. As it turned out, the woman and the two children were going on to Boston. And our airline ambassadors members were continuing to stay in New York. And they said, wait a minute, wait a minute, why isn't anything happening? And I think it was Daniel that turned around to the FBI and said, don't you know these children are being trafficked? They probably have false passports. If you don't do something, I'm following them. Well, later we learned that they had followed the children. And those two children led Homeland Security to a huge bust of a pornography operation and saved 84 children. I mean, it was really, uh, we didn't hear about that, hear about the success of it until a couple of weeks later. And we don't always know what happens when we report it. But the most important thing is to do, to report it and let Homeland Security do their job because they do. So Nancy and I have been working together ever since that trip. And we've gone on and done several trainings and Nancy's continued to create more trainings and I'll let her fill in from here. But it's a great partnership and we have had so much success in this and we wanna to continue to do that with our Turning a Million Eyes on Children campaign. So thank you for being here today. And Nancy, I'm so glad you're here with us. Yes, I'm so happy to participate as part of this podcast. I'm speaking to you from El Salvador where I live now, but it, I think this work is so very important. To go back when Deb's first part of the story, when she called me in July or June of uh, 2009, she talked to me about human trafficking and what she was doing training flight attendants. I had never heard about this before. I didn't even know about human trafficking. I said, you've got to be kidding. You have to come to the board meeting and the training for mission coordinators and speak to us all about this and what you're doing. And, and she did in July, it was powerful. And the following month, the following month in August, our team, and I learned about human trafficking and I, I realized it was real, sent a couple of, a book to Leanne Hansen, who was on the mission. And I said, read this book and be aware. And on that flight, they saved a young girl whose mother had been trafficked and uh, they, they'd actually rescued her and gave her a name, Somnang, meaning lucky, got her into a, a safe house at, and a family, a foster home to raise her. And we still are in touch with little Somnang. Well, I then knew this was a real thing. And later on my trip to Thailand, I saw the night markets and I saw how the young girls were being trafficked and to sell their bodies at night. And I just said, I am, as president of Airline Ambassadors, I have to get involved. So like Deborah said, we, I invited her to join us on the next mission that I went on to Dominican Republic to train our whole team. And Airline Ambassadors began with flight attendants, but we've expanded to all people of all backgrounds. And there were 
like she said, CEOs and doctors and nurses and some of our board members on the on the mission. And but Deborah spent the whole three days training us about the indicators of human trafficking, what to learn. And we promised each other to be alert when the flight's out. As Deb told you, we amazingly identified trafficking on two airlines. The first, uh, Patty McPeak had left a day early and she correctly identified trafficking. And the next day, six more of our members on JetBlue correctly identified trafficking. The um, undercover agent had been sent to follow this group, realizing that this was an inside job. And as, as she said, we saved 85 children. It, it was unbelievable. And the, same, the next month, two more airlines, American and US Air, were identified on trafficking. And I said, this is it, we gotta get involved. So I contacted Congressman Chris Smith, who was the author of the Trafficking Victims Protection Act and asked for help getting the word out to airlines. And I, and I invited Deb to join us on that first briefing which happened in July of 2010. And it was excellent. It was an excellent briefing. We had actually written out uh, uh, bulletins that airlines could use in the training for, for flight crews. The truth is it was, uh, they were adopted for, by American Airlines, which was my airline, uh, but nobody paid much attention to it. Uh, and, but they weren't what I had hoped would happen is that airlines would take the initiative to train their staff in regular emergency procedure training. That wasn't happening. And so uh, we thought about it and said, what can we do? And so we, based on Deb's first booklet that she showed you, we developed a curriculum to provide live training at airports and for airlines, which we implemented actually 133 times around the world. And uh, we, we brought what's unique to our training is that we use actual survivors of human trafficking. One of the survivors is actually a flight attendant and uh, is very, makes for a riveting training, giving the background, the indicators of a, uh, for training to for flight attendants to look for, but actually it's applicable for anybody traveling. The same exact indicators, and we give a specific protocol, which just is to call the DHS hotline number or the National Human Trafficking Hotline number. And again, we've implemented that 133 times all over the world. And our work led, our joint work led to. Uh, the FAA Reauthorization Act of 2016, which mandates training for all flight attendants. More recently, we're so excited because Deb also helped on this. We developed a text-based training to supplement what flight attendants are getting. That's free training being launched in January, and it's available to anyone that travels frequently. And a, we're, we're hoping... A, Innocence at Risk and airline ambassadors are working together to turn a million eyes on trafficking. And I think as long as this podcast will continue and we'll have other flight attendants speak and talk about the actual stories. I mean, you and I have witnessed several things together. 
and knowing we've we've all seen things on planes and ever since in the sense it was began i realized it's really important to report this to the flight attendant or the closest person uh, a law enforcement official if you're in a mall or on the street somewhere because trafficking is not as we know just just in the airports but the great thing about flight attendants is that they take this initiative and they've taken what they've learned from Nancy and me to their daily life and they've incorporated it and they respond wherever they are. We had one case of, with a, a crew coming from Rome to Chicago and they, they all eight flight attendants were convinced that a man, American man was trafficking a young Romanian girl, eight years old. He was saying that he owned her and that he was going into the bathroom with her, even though they told him not to. All of them were very concerned about the safety of this girl. They told the pilots and the pilots said, we don't want to get involved uh, because this we could get that guy in a lot of trouble. The pilots were trained. Ultimately, our work trickled down to all flight crew and now pilots are trained. In this particular case, that guy walked off the airplane with that little girl and Lord knows what happened to her. So we're so hoping that, um, that our training pays off and really we're teaching people to, if they think something's wrong, to recognize it and report it immediately, to follow your gut. Because if you don't, uh, someone's life could be lost. We have seen firsthand that reporting situations have saved lives. And according to Homeland Security, the flight attendant initiative and working with airline ambassadors, we've saved thousands of lives. So now taking this to the traveling public, we can do more. We did a survey of flight attendants and we saw uh, 400 responses of people that had seen trafficking. And in many of those cases, people had taken our trainings and Deborah joined us in, in Phoenix and, and in Tampa and different places, also in Washington, DC. Um, and her true stories and the true stories of flight attendants motivated others to, to report it also. It, if, if you think something wrong, is wrong, it probably is, and you must report it. Even if you don't know the DHS hotline number, which is easy, but or the National Human Trafficking Hotline number, you can also call 911. At least report it to the closest flight attendant, agent, law enforcement officer. That's your responsibility. That's our responsibility as humanity to help one another. And also, as you say in the Voices Against Trafficking book, I mean, flight attendants are sort of uniquely situated because as you write, a customs agent has about a minute to assess a passenger but a flight attendant has one to eight hours. Exactly. Well, I'll give you the story of Donna. So Donna's on the airplane. She was a human trafficking victim, one of our trainers. And she saw a young boy with two with a couple. And she asked the, uh, the man, the, the boy looked very sick. He was sweating profusely. And um, the, she asked the mother, well, is something wrong with the boy? And the mother said, oh, no problem. Don't worry about him. And, and later she said, what is his name? And, and the mother said, Robert. And he's 11 years old or something. And 
later she went to the bathroom with him and she asked the father and he had a different name. He said the, na the boy's name was Richard and that uh, he was 12 years old. Different stories so she knew something was wrong. That kid was very, very sick. She was between flights, arrived in Miami and reported it to the customs officer. She asked the pilots to radio ahead also. Um, she had to go take another flight. But the next day she came through Miami airport again and she went to that customs officer and she said, what happened with that family? And they said, uh, this is something a customs officer would never have noticed, but I'm not allowed to tell you what happened, but good call. So she exactly. That's what they always would say, Nancy. Remember, um, there's so many situations where I would call Homeland Security and they would say, you made the right call. It was rare that we heard that those two children on that flight from Santa Domingo into New York going on to Boston, it was very rare. It was because I knew someone at Homeland Security and I asked her to meet me out of the office. And she finally said, you, those two children led us to free 84 children. Those were the most wonderful stories that we have, but we have many stories. We have and so then, many then I'll, stories. I'll tell you another one, a girl again, cut flying from Chicago to Tampa, first class was, uh, there was a young girl getting on the flight who was very, maybe, I think she had just turned 18 that day, but she was a young 18. And the girl was so excited. And, and uh, uh, Pamela said, well, what's going on? Uh, and she said, oh, my boyfriend sent me a ticket. I said, oh, that's so cool. You're going to Tampa. That's, you're going to love it. And she turns out the mother didn't know she was traveling. She'd never met the boyfriend. She met him on Facebook. And she, he told her not to, not to bring a phone. He'd bring a phone to her. Or he'd have someone pick her up at the Miami airport. Well, this girl was so naive and Pamela was very concerned. And she said she ran off the plane after the girl, but she couldn't stop her to leave and to tell the agent. The agents haven't been trained yet. They said, ah, no, uh, no, no, nothing's off. Luckily, this girl's husband was a ticket agent and she was able to look up the record locator number on that ticket because that light had gone out that day. We found the address uh, of who had bought the ticket, which was a woman in North Carolina with the, uh, a vulgar email. Uh, we called it into Homeland Security and a few days later, uh, the DHS person that was head of the hotline called and said, Good call. We were able to find this person because of you, the flight, the flight attendant was able to give us this important information from the record locator. So we were able to save that girl, I think. Most likely, yes. It's like the story, Nancy, back in 2010 of getting on a flight to going to Palm Beach. I had just heard that there were stash houses in West Palm Beach, where they were taking children from various parts of the world. I think this is something related to Jeffrey Epstein. But still, I was on a flight from Washington to 
Palm Beach. And I was not looking for anything. But I see a man who's Hispanic, but he looked, did not look threatening, getting on a plane, running to the uh, ticket agent at the last minute when the flight was about finished boarding and said, we have, we have a reservation, we have a reservation. And he opens a file. He doesn't know the name of the boy, but he, I watch him go down a list of children and points to a name. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is incredible. The gate agent doesn't even check the boy. He just is annoyed because he'd already closed his book out and wanted, had to now seat these two people. So they're now walking on the plane. I immediately knew something was wrong, but I tried. I did what you're really not supposed to do. Um, the best thing is if you see something, just report it. Because I did get into conversation just to check the little boy to say anything. But the man had him shielded from me. And as the little boy would take a step, the man would block him from me. I was the only, I was the closest person to them. So when I could finally make eye contact with the little boy, I just to say anything to him. And I said, well, you're going to Florida. Do you get to go to Disney World too? And the little boy looks up at me and says, and he's five or six. And he said, I'm going to North Carolina. And I look at the man and I said, you're going to North Carolina. And there was no one behind me to hear this. So it was just me. And the man never speaks to me, leans down and whispers to the little boy, West Palm Beach. The little boy looks up and says, I'm going to West Palm Beach. And I said, that's good. That's where the plane's going. And then I did something else that you're not supposed to do. I confronted, the, I just looked at the man. I said, so are you family? And he said, never looks at me, whispers to the little boy. The little boy looks up and says, he's my friend. And I said, well, that's nice. And at that point, it had been enough. And I realized that this was, that little boy could be in real danger. And then I was, a flashback came on that I had read there were stash houses in, in Palm Beach, West Palm Beach with children. And I said, oh my God. So I fortunately had the phone number for someone from Homeland Security and I called really quickly and said, I'm on this plane. I gave her the number and I said, it's going to Palm Beach. It's flight number so-and-so. I know it's a domestic airport, but I know you have people around. Please get it checked out. I think this little boy could be in danger. She said, I'm on it. So not knowing what was going to happen, I suddenly felt like all the flight attendants had told me, when you see it, you don't really know if it's true or not, but you don't want to not report it. So I was glad I did, but I still walked up to the flight attendant in the in first class as soon as the plane was in the air. And I had my brochure with her at that point. This was 2010. And I handed, she said, may I have that? 
And I said, yes, of course. I said, I'm Deborah Sigmund. I started the flight attendant initiative. And she said, what? That's when she said, can I have that brochure? And I said, yes. She said, I know what you're going to say. It's about that little boy. I said, yes, were you going to report it? And she said, I don't know what to do. And I said, that's why we started the flight attendant initiative. She said, what do you want me to do now? I said, please ask the captain if he would call ahead and have the authorities meet the plane. She said, okay, okay. And I said, one more thing, please do not tip that man off that you know you're suspicious. And I don't want him to think that I've told you anything. She said, okay, okay. So in the meantime, there is someone seated next to me who sees the man and little boy. And he also had thought it was suspicious. So when I sat down, he said, are you with the FBI? And I said, no, I'm not. And I didn't want to talk because we were in uh, earshot of the man with the little boy. So I handed him my brochure. So later the flight attendant came back and let me know that the flight attendant, that the captain was definitely going to call ahead. And um, she said he wanted you to know that because that was always a question with some flight attendants, whether the captain would call ahead or not. Well, now they know to do that. And so he did. So anyway, the flight attendant came back and let me know a little bit later. They're going to meet the plane because of whoever you called. But of course, the captain was calling it in too. So I was told that it was definitely the right call. I think about that little boy a lot. I mean, it's it's just um, when you can save a life, as we've both done, Nancy, with so many so many flight attendants helping us. We have this army of angels. And you learn a lot just by friendly conversation. We do people we we teach people to look for indicators of trafficking like someone under the control of someone else. Um, if they're frightened, ashamed, or nervous. If they eat ravenously, because many times they've been starved. If they are dressed inappropriately for travel. Uh, if they're look drugged, many times they are drugged. And these are things we tell flight attendants to note and get that pivotal information on the record locator that they have access to and to contact the captain to radio ahead to the next airport. But sometimes, Nancy, the, the passenger or the, the child or teenager will not talk. And it's better not to force it, especially if they're traveling with the trafficker. Right. Because you don't want to alarm them too much. Right. And better to just report it and let Homeland Security do their job. So yes. if you have to just and not be, try to rescue. Yeah, never, never, never do that. Put yourself yeah. in a situation or try to explain to the the potential victim that she could be trafficked or he could right. be being trafficked. Right. One girl, one girl I met actually was um, on, on a plane and told that sure traffickers had taken her by plane many times. And she told the flight attendant, she tried to tell the flight attendant what was going on. The flight attendant didn't know enough. 
and uh, the the guy overheard her and he burned her, took her to the bathroom and burned her, uh, burned her uh, several times. So she got became too scared to talk. Very interesting. Well, the most important thing is if everyone will join us in this this effort. And when you're traveling, just look around, open your eyes. And if you see something that looks suspicious, just report it. Please report it. Traffickers use all forms of transportation, not only airlines, but uh, anytime you're moving around, even at a mall or a shopping center, if something looks, if something looks off, your best move is to report it. And the FBI has told us that again and again. It gets added to many other tips and it really assists them. So it, don't worry about um, endangering anybody by, by sharing this information. It's important that you report it. And you can report it in a mall uh, or on the street by calling 911 and say, I think this is human trafficking. And if you're on the plane, you and you're getting no, no response. You can call the human trafficking hotline, 866-347-2423. We wanna bring people's attention to this, especially since January is the, uh, the month for human trafficking awareness. And at, we're launching our text-based training for anyone. It's a free, a free training that, uh, uh, allows people to learn the indicators of human trafficking and how to recognize and report it. And it's, it's applicable to any traveler or anyone that's anyone. So we're excited to join it. The girl that helped us develop this training is actually a student who is so passionate about this cause that she learned about from us. She wants to go to uh, university to be an attorney uh, to fight for human rights. And she is going to be a feature of one of our upcoming podcasts. Exactly. And I, my intern from Vanderbilt, I just learned, has had some amazing stories of traveling in high school and in college and being approached by potential traffickers. Fortunately, she was smart enough to not fall for it. But we're going to have her on. So we have a lot in store for January. January is Human Trafficking Awareness Month. And we look forward to seeing you then. Help us stop this horrific uh, human rights abuse. And help us turn millions of eyes on children. And let's keep them all safe. Thank you. To learn more about human trafficking and the urgent need to combat it, the Innocence at Risk website is a great place to start. Please visit innocenceatrisk.org. You've been listening to Turning a Million Eyes to Save Lives, a podcast by Innocence at Risk to prevent children and women from falling victim to human trafficking. We'll have another episode next month. If you'd like to get in touch or share your own story for this podcast, please email dsigmund at innocenceatrisk.org. That's D-S-I-G-M-U-N-D at innocenceatrisk.org. And please share this podcast, rate it, and subscribe. I'm Andy Miles, and I'd like to thank Deborah and Nancy for sharing their stories and expertise. And I'd like to thank you for listening.
The number again to report suspected human trafficking is 1-866-347-2423. That's 1-866-DHS-2ICE. Before we go, I'd like to ask you to please consider making a gift to Innocents at Risk to help our community when they need it most. All donations are tax-deductible, and 100% of funds go directly to making a difference. Your donation will help Innocents at Risk educate the public and lobby members of Congress for much-needed legislation to protect children. It will also allow us to help keep children safe online with educational outreach to parents and students and facilitate the prosecution of traffickers and those who exploit women and children. We need your help to turn a million eyes on children. To make your tax-deductible contribution to Innocents at Risk, please visit innocentsatrisk.org. Thank you. Your support is greatly appreciated.